on in. So today we're continuing our Believe campaign or Believe series. If you haven't been here with us or maybe you just kind of forgot, for 10 weeks we're looking at the core beliefs of the Christian faith. And if you've been counting, today we're on week number 8. All right, and here's our topic for this morning. It will be up there in a minute. Ah, there it is. It says compassion. I believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. And, and when I thought about this topic and I saw the word compassion, I've just got to be honest. The first thing I thought was, I don't want to talk about that. It's very emotional. It's very kind of hippie-ish. And if you identify as a hippie, I'm completely okay with that. That's you. That's not me. But even the slide, if you go back one, Scott, the slide that it came with has a butterfly on it. And I was like, you know, if I were to describe myself, it wouldn't be as a, a butterfly. So I had a hard time with this. Thank you, Mackenzie, for your first amen ever in church. And when I saw this topic, I said, this is going to be boring. I mean, I mean, think about it. Who thinks, well, everybody thinks they're compassionate. Everybody, because what's, well, what's the other option? I mean, the antonym for being, uh, for compassion is animosity, cruelty, or meanness. Who wakes up every morning saying, I can't wait to be cruel today? Right? Everybody already thinks they're compassionate because nobody thinks they're mean. Nobody thinks they're cruel. And honestly, this is one of those sermons, maybe you've done this before at church, where you're sitting there in church and you hear the sermon, you're like, man, this isn't for me. It's for my mother-in-law. Like, my mother-in-law really needs to ever, you ever had a sermon like that? Where you think, this isn't for me, this is for someone else. And when I was sitting there thinking, I said, when I start talking about compassion, everybody's going to think about someone else who needs to hear this, not them. Because they're already compassionate, right? Everybody already thinks that. And so if you think of compassion, you think of boring, or maybe hippie-ish, or I'm already there, or this is really for someone else, I understand, and I completely agree with you. But Jesus doesn't. You see, I thought I knew this one. I thought this would be one of those topics that'd be really easy, you know, And what I find as a Jesus follower on a journey in life just like you is a lot of times the things that I think are simple, the things that, you know, I got that one, are some of the most difficult ones to actually put into practice. You see, Jesus had some powerful things to say about being compassionate and what it really looks like. So if you have your Bible with you today, we're going to look at a very famous story and we're going to look at how Jesus teaches us to be compassionate. It's found in Luke chapter 10. The version of the Bible I'm going to use today is called the New Living Translation, the NLT. It's a little different than I usually use the NIV, but it's still good. I just wanted to let you know if you're following along in your own Bible. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus says this, or excuse me, the text says, One day an expert in religious law, which is just a lawyer, okay, so this is a lawyer. One day an uh, expert in religious law stood up to, what's that next word? All right, test Jesus. So we see kind of the motives, we see what's going on here. Jesus, by asking him this question, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? 
Now pause, Jesus points them back to where? The scriptures. Right? So this conversation they're going to have all revolves around the scripture. Jesus is being asked a question. He doesn't just come up with a philosophical or just an idea. He said, no, no, let's, let's go back and dig it up from the scriptures. Well, how do you read the scriptures? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus has already been going around teaching this the whole time. It can't be a coincidence that the same thing Jesus is going around saying, this guy repeats back to Jesus, okay? So he's here to test Jesus, asking the question, how do you read it? Repeats back to Jesus what Jesus has already been saying. So I think he's trapping Jesus. He's testing him here. Jesus said, right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to, what's the next word? Justify. All right, so this is where we can find ourselves in the story, if we were to be honest. The man wanting to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, well, who's, well, who's my neighbor? Or like, like, who do I really have to show love to? Like, I know I have to love God with my everything, right? Love God with my heart, mind, soul, strength. In fact, even when I say that around my friends, I was like, yeah. We shake our head. I mean, it's so simple. But loving my neighbor, I mean, what does that really look like? He's asking the same question we ask all the time, if we were to be honest. Jesus, what's the bare minimum I got to do? Like, if there's a scale of you being happy and you being upset, how do I get over 50%, right? Like, how do I pass the middle, just go to about 52, so you're more happy than not? What's, what's the minimum I need to do? But here's what we have to understand about Jesus. He never answered those kind of questions. And it's, you're ever looking for the minimum standard in the scriptures or what's the basic, what's the, he doesn't answer them. But no good parent, no good teacher does. If my son were to come up to me, because it would be my son, it would be Troy, if any of them. If he were to come up to me and say, Dad, listen, it's Sunday. I want to play video games because we only do video games on the weekends, okay? So, Dad, it's video game day, I know that. What's the bare minimum amount of respect I need to show Mom before you take the video games away? Like, what's, what's the, who would answer that? It, no, I'd probably take the video games away for even thinking like that, right? Like, you know what, now you just can't have them at all. Nobody, nobody would answer the bare minimum. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to set Jesus up. And I just want to remind you or maybe warn you if you didn't know, it's never good to test Jesus. It never works out in the person's favor. But we're just going to go ahead and read the story, the, the parable Jesus teaches to explain his point. He says this, Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he pulled the man on his, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, Jesus turns back to the lawyer. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? 
The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus says, yes, now go do the same. See, this is a popular story, but we have a lawyer here trying to trick Jesus. But he asked him a very important question because if the second most important thing, remember how it's set up, how do I have eternal life? Love God with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? The whole thing that set this up is what does it mean to love other people? And if Jesus says that the second most important thing for you and I as Jesus followers to do is love our neighbors as ourselves, we need to understand what that looks like. And what Jesus says and what he shows is that the way you love your neighbor as yourself is through compassion. Being compassionate to people in need. So this idea of God calling Christians to be compassionate, that all of us are to be a part of this, isn't just something about our feelings, isn't just something that sounds nice to do, it's the second most important thing to do. It's the outward action. Jesus describes that whole love your neighbor as yourself through compassion. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to look at a couple of things we can learn from Jesus here. We're just going to see the characteristics, how to understand compassion a little bit more. First, we see that compassion is emotional, not logical. Luke 10, 33 says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So compassion is an emotion, which means it's not going to always make sense. If you're more logical... If you want things written out, if you want a pros and cons list, if you like everything in a neat, tidy bow, that's not what this is. This is an emotion that comes from the heart. But you see, compassion, not being logical, will just make sense because is grace logical? Grace is about getting what you do not deserve. It doesn't make any sense. That's why grace is so important. That's why it's such a big deal that God gives us what we do not deserve. And so if you're super analytical, if you want to kind of play the odds, I mean, if, if you're always worried about being just and fair, just you got to kind of turn that off when it comes to compassion. Compassion is something different. It's an emotion you feel. And compassion, next one, compassion meets needs despite excuses. So we see that a priest and a temple assistant walked by. We're not sure why they did. Maybe they said, hey, you know what? There's that guy again. Maybe they looked at him and said, well, I don't want to get hurt. He could be setting me up. I might get robbed. Those details aren't important, but what is important is for us to remind ourselves of the stories we tell when we see somebody in need. How easy is it to talk yourself out of helping somebody? The Samaritan could have looked and said, well, that Jew, well, he hates me, which they did. You know, he's racist. I'm not helping him. I'm not going to help anybody who talks about my people that way. You see, it's easy. I mean, think about it. How many times have you looked at someone and said, well, they're not worthy of compassion. They spent all their money on alcohol, so. Well, they've had so many chances by now. I'm not helping them. Or, well, they got pregnant so young. That was their fault. You see, the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter why somebody's where they're at. Compassion, that's not what compassion about, is about. Compassion isn't trying to justify, should you help? Compassion is helping those in need. You see, I'm pretty good about coming up with reasons on why I should or should not do that anything. Are y'all you, are you pretty good at it? 
Like right now, I want to buy another Jeep. I haven't had a Jeep for two months. I'm having withdrawals. It's pretty bad at my house. I need a Jeep. And so I'm telling you, I can tell you why God has told me that I need a Jeep for the sake of the ministry at First Baptist Church. I mean, I got all the details lined out. My wife's, well, she's not buying it, but that's okay. But I'm telling you, we can all do this. We can all justify why we shouldn't do it. And so again, if your first reaction when it comes to compassion is like, well, they turn it off. Compassion's different. Because the reality is, is we don't really know why someone's where they're at. And a lot of times we're listening to things that people are saying about other people. Well, how about this? Have you all ever heard somebody talk about somebody else? Yeah, right. We allow somebody else to tell us information about somebody else without actually talking to the person about it. Then we start making decisions about that person without ever actually talking. To them. Come on now. We, we, we understand that, silly. There's an illustration, maybe you've heard it before, about the guy on the bus with three kids. And when I think of three kids running around being crazy, I think of my kids. So, But just picture a guy sitting on a bus. You've probably heard this. His three kids are running around kicking seats, talking loud. The guy looks distracted, looks uninvolved, looks like one of those parents who just lets their kids do whatever they want. In fact, he's even texting on the phone. The other passengers are looking around just getting mad and aggravated with the guy. Then one lady finally had enough, stood up and said, Sir! Will you please get your unruly kids? They're distracting us. So the man looked up and said, I'm sorry. We just came from the hospital where their mother died, and I don't know what to do. That little bit of information changes everything, doesn't it? And a lot of times we look at people. We think we know what's going on, but we don't have a clue. Compassion calls us to treat them different. Compassion means we may have to have a conversation with the person. Go and introduce yourself. Talk to them. See what's going on. And that's what I want to encourage us to do is when we see someone in need, don't just think you know what they need. Don't just think you understand. Talk to them. Tell them your name. Find out their name. Find out what's really going on. Remember, that we all need to be smart with our money. We all need to be you know, make sure that we're not just throwing our money to the wind. But remember what we talked about last week is that all people are valuable. All people are made in the image of God. All people need Jesus. And so if we believe that when it comes to compassion, we start going, you know, let me go that extra mile. Let me come over to them. Because it's not logical. It moves to the need. You know, James chapter 2, he explains how favoritism is a sin discriminating because of where someone is in life is a sin. But he goes on to say this, and I love it, James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Or for short, mercy trumps judgment. So the idea is next time you want to judge, I know nobody here does, but next time we want to say the reason why the person is there is because of this, or they drank too much, or you know they ran out, or they did this, or they were like this money, they gambled away, you understand what I'm saying. Next time we try to justify where somebody deserves to be where they're at, what if we just extended compassion and mercy instead? See, mercy and compassion is the same word here. Anybody ever played cards? Oh, we're in church and Baptist, sorry. One person, all right. We'll just assume we all do, okay? Look, I play cards. It's okay. Raise your hand. All right, so Rook, um, Bridge. What's another one? Rook, Bridge, and, um, yeah, Spades. Okay, Rook, Bridge, and Spades. What's, one of the, what, what's, what's the high card? What's the thing that wins above everything else? The Trump card, right? Y'all know what a Trump card is? Yeah, that's the idea here. 
Compassion should be your trump card. That when you're sitting there looking at somebody, when you're judging or justifying why you shouldn't help or why we shouldn't do it or why you have a bad idea or so on and so on, when all that anger and upset and bitterness, all that stuff wants to come out or that logic wants to come out, you need to get in your pocket. I don't care if you have to do this in real life. Get in your pocket and pull out the trump card. Compassion. It needs to trump and override all of the other stuff. Because here's the deal. Compassion, this is what we have to understand. Compassion leads to action. Compassion leads to action. And this is where we may get caught off guard with what we believe compassion is versus what a biblical understanding of compassion is. Because Luke 10, 34 says, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. You see, sympathy is where you feel bad. Sympathy is where you are attached to them emotionally, like, ah, I understand what they're going through. We're not asking you to be sympathetic. That's not what compassion is. Compassion is actually doing something about it. We can all feel bad, but compassion draws you to go meet that need. See, if someone has, someone says, let's say you meet someone, and said, hey, we're out of gas, I need some gas money. Compassion isn't giving them five bucks. That's called being cheap, isn't it? Compassion is filling the tank of gas. Not getting them down where you don't have to see them. Compassion is really seeing a need, knowing a need, and meeting that need. Listen to what Jesus described. Remember, Jesus is telling a story. He's making it up. Listen to how detailed Jesus was about this story. He says, he went to the man. He wrapped his bandage. He soothed it with olive oil. He soothed it with wine. He put him on his own donkey. How many of us would put someone on our donkey and then walk next to him? Yeah, Chuck was at the first service who has donkeys, so it was super funny because I was like, Chuck, you get this, don't you? Like, you understand this. How many of us would let someone drive the car while we walked there? We'll walk, you go ahead and you drive my vehicle. We're like, yeah, I'm not letting someone drive. Right. Because remember, although you have to do something, something very important about it, compassion leads to action, but compassion also costs something. And that's the hard part. In this particular story, compassion costed money and time. Maybe you going that extra mile will cost your time, your talents, your treasures, one of those T's. But it will cost you something. Compassion is giving up something that you have or you need or you want or you like for the benefit of somebody else. Maybe compassion will cost you your pride. So when we look at biblical compassion... It's far more than being sympathetic. It's far more than being, yeah, I understand and I feel bad and going home and telling somebody. It's far more than that. It's actually doing something about it in the name of Jesus. And as a Jesus follower, you and I both have been called to meet those needs. Remember, it's not logical. It's something different. It's emotional. And remember, this whole idea of compassion is we do it because it was first done for us, right? God gave his life. Jesus gave his life for you and I. He is compassionate. He has grace and he is full of mercy. We don't show compassion because it's fair. Nothing about our salvation is fair. An innocent, blameless man died on our behalf is not fair, is it? We don't want what's fair. We want grace. 
We just want other people to experience what's fair. Isn't that true? But grace is what's driven us. Compassion must drive us. Because of what Jesus has done. And remember, these works don't save you. Jesus has saved you. But these works show the evidence of your salvation, that you have had life change through Jesus Christ. So our key belief we're looking at today is God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. And I don't know about you, but it's, it can be overwhelming, can't it? So, Brian, there's so many needs. I mean, look at the neighborhoods, look at the school, look at my job, look at these places. I know for me, when I went to Haiti, it was gut-wrenching because you look at the whole country and you go, where do you start? There's so much, and I don't know about you, I'm just going to tell it myself. When I get too overwhelmed, I end up doing what? Nothing. Well, there's so many needs, I might as well not meet any of them. You know when you say that out loud, it doesn't make sense, right? So what do we do? Do for one what you wish you could do for all. This quote didn't originate with me, but we're going to pretend it did because we're going to talk about it all the time. Okay, do for one what you wish you could do for it all. Again, I got Andy Stanley. You heard me talk about him. This was the most helpful advice I'd ever heard because Jesus tells a story about one person doing something for one other person. Jesus could have talked about a, a king who conquered in battle to transform, who went to war on behalf of what was right. He could have told a story about a guy who decided to run for president because everything was bad. He could have told a story about a nonprofit organization this one guy started to solve all the world's problems. He could have told so many stories and made it such a big deal, but instead of doing that, he tells the story about a guy walking down the road, seeing a need of one person, walking over and meeting it. And you know, like I do, opportunities have a way of presenting themselves. We can't do everything, and there's no reason to make yourself feel bad, feel guilty. Listen, this is very important. Jesus has already saved the world. You're not called to do that. He's already saved it. You may be called to tell other people about it, but it is your job to show compassion to show mercy, to love other people as he did. Don't get depressed. Just go and do the same. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. See, I'm human like you, and if I were to be honest, sometimes when I think about helping other people, I think, well, nobody helped me. Yeah, I'd like if someone did that for me too. Right? I got a little bit of greediness and selfishness inside. I know you don't, but I do. Sometimes I get a little selfish, a little greedy, like, why didn't somebody step up for me? I mean, why didn't they buy me a Jeep? I don't understand. I mean, it should be sitting in my driver right now. To me, it makes sense. It should have happened by now. But chances are they won't be somebody dying on the street. But just remember, we help other people because someone did die for us on a cross. Someone has done something for us. It's when we lose touch of the gospel when we lose touch that Jesus really did die on a cross, Jesus really was beaten for us, Jesus really did pay for our sins, it's when we lose touch of that that we start talking about fairness and what other people don't deserve. But when we remember grace, oh, that'll propel us to do amazing things. See, my friend's grandma was physically and emotionally abused. Nobody took an interest, had a very broken family. But the neighbor decided to invite her to church. 
She ended up giving her life to Christ, which changed the whole dynamics of everybody else to come. Maybe you have a similar story. For me, I wouldn't be where I'm at as a pastor without other pastors. For whatever reason, it still boggles me, just investing them time, energy, and resources. The leadership training and the, just the people who would spend time and pouring into me made no sense. But they did it anyways. And my point is, just because you don't have a grand old story about you, you know, rescuing a guy who was dying on the side of the road, doesn't mean that God hasn't brought somebody right in front of you that you can show compassion to that you cannot show mercy to, love to, do something or show them God's love in a way that will change their life. So your challenge this week is simply that, show compassion to somebody in need, to look for opportunities, because I promise you, if you intentionally look for ways to show compassion, God will show them to you. If you intentionally go out before you go, God, I need to sh- show me where do we come back. God, I'm not stopping there. Did you see that? It ain't happened. Let me just keep going. Show me, show me the next person. Just pay attention. I promise he will bring pl- plenty of people your way. And as a church, could you imagine if we did this idea and a couple of hundred of us went out and showed the love of Jesus and did for one what we wish we could do for everyone? Could you imagine if each of us were just showing the love to one person? Well, what we're going to do as a church is we're going to change it up a little bit, but we're going to come collectively as a church, and we're going to do this big idea of do for one as we wish we could do for everyone. This December, we're starting a campaign, and my hope and dream, that right there, this December, my hope and dream is that we can do this every single year. And this is a really big deal to me because I really believe that if we do this and we do it well, this year's a rough draft year, we're going to do our best. But I would love to see us do this every year and spark a culture of generosity in this community. I would think it'd be absolutely amazing if every other church would be like, man, I can't, I hope it's for competitive reasons. You hear what First Baptist is doing? Oh, we can't let them outstay just. I'm like, great, you do it too. Here's what we're going to do to explain it. Just imagine if everybody got on board with this. First, first weekend, it's going to be the second December, excuse me, second weekend in December. We're going to take up a special offering for one family in our community. We don't know who they are yet. And again, it's going to be a second offering. So we're going to take up our normal one. Then at the end of the service, we're going to take up another one. And I'm just warning you, I'll probably pass the plate twice because I've always wanted to do that. You know the, hey, we didn't get enough, so let's get it back. But for that special offering, 100% will go to a family in need. We don't know the family yet. We're praying about it. We're working through that. We wish, you're like, well, Brian, you're going to do it for one. I know. Listen, we're going to bless one family extraordinary, and I hope it's extraordinary. I hope you give extraordinary to it. Listen, I have dreams of one day us building houses for people or houses. Why not? Why couldn't we do amazing things like that with the gospel? We have the resources to do things for others. I think it would be amazing, and I would think it would be amazing if ever the church in this community started doing it? What if every year just churches were blessing and helping people that were in desperate need? Wouldn't that kind of look like, well, the scripture? It'd be pretty amazing. The second thing we're going to do, so we're going to take up a, a special offering to be extremely generous to somebody. Number two, we're going to adopt Conway Elementary School to serve their needs. And so it's all about service for this idea. So while we wish we could meet the needs of all the elementary schools and all the high schools and all the middle schools, we're going to start with one. 
And we're going to have a lot of opportunities. We're meeting with the principal soon, I am, and we're going to find out what they need. I'm not going to guess what they need. We're going to let them tell us what they need, and we're going to make opportunities available to the church. And then lastly, we're going to show the love in an intentional way. We're going to show the love of Christ in a simple and practical way to Conway City Police Department for 2020. And so what we're going to do is, I don't know, we're brainstorming, but we're going to just love on them all throughout the year. It's about 60, I think it was 61 uh, police and civilian employees there. And we're just going to do a bunch of great things. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm really excited to think about it. See, I've been here for a year, and one thing we've talked about is, hey, we need to get the gospel out there. I know. We need to do some things in the community. I agree. Well, now we got ideas, and God has led us to what it is. So I cannot wait for you to put your name on these lists. Because I promise you, we're not doing it on our own as a staff. We will lead the way, and we will volunteer it. But if it doesn't happen, it will be because our church didn't step up to the plate. But I know that's not going to happen. We're going to do amazing things for Conway Elementary School. We're going to do amazing things for the police department. And I believe we're going to tremendously bless a family in December. Doesn't that sound pretty exciting? If not, please go back and listen to this online because that's very exciting. And every year we want to do this. Every year we want people to be like, I wonder what First Baptist Church is going to do this, this, this fall. What, what are they going to do? And it's like, I don't know. Whatever God wants us to. But remember, it's the gospel. We're going to keep talking about this. The gospel drives us to make God's love known. The gospel drives us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And as a staff, we are planning, we are brainstorming, and we are very excited about the coming year. But come back in December, we'll talk all about that. For now, this week, let's practice. Let's practice being compassionate. Compassion is emotional, not logical. Compassion meets the needs despite excuses. Compassion leads to action, and compassion costs something. And while you wish and I wish we could do it for everyone, just do for one. Start there. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And watch what God does through you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father.